So it's just great, though, to come and be with you. A lot has changed since uh, I was with you in April. We've now moved house and have started the church plant there in pont It's great now when people say, oh, you know, what, what do you do for a living? To say, well, I lead a small little church plant in the valleys of Wales. It's just so exciting. And so we started gathering in May in our house. We started gathering a group together. And it has grown bit by bit, partly, I think, because we feed them every week. And it's amazing how that attracts people. Food is God's plan, I think. Well, it is. It's obviously God's plan. He invented it. But anyway, kind of, it's great to come and eat and enjoy one another. And uh, we started gathering. Gather now about a group. At that point, about a group of about 35 uh, in our house. The neighbours all have been trying to work out what on earth goes on in our house on a Tuesday. And our next-door neighbours, who have become quite good friends, came round one time and asked a question. They said, what, what happens? They said, no, don't tell us. We want to guess what happens in your house. Don't tell us. We want to guess what your job is, and we want to guess what happens. So their first thing is, is it religious? I said, no. <laughs> it's left them utterly confused. They still haven't worked out what happens in our house on a Tuesday night. I will tell them at some point, but I'm enjoying it at the moment. <laughs> they like me at the moment. So anyway, it's kind of it's fun just uh, being there and gathering. Then we got to a point where we kind of thought, well, after in September, it would be great to start gathering on a Sunday and to have a public meeting. And I started looking, where should we meet, where should we connect, and looking where other churches were, looking for venues that were there, I was praying about it, trying to see where could we go. Uh, there was a leisure centre here that we could use, but it was quite expensive. There was this place here. I was trying to find out what, what we could do, and I was preaching at a church in Merthyr Tidville in August. And I was there preaching away, and at the end of it, this guy comes up to me and says, I feel I've got a word for the Lord for you. I said, oh, thank you. What's that? He said, God wants you to know you're doing the right thing. Well, that's always nice to know, isn't it? Seriously, it is nice to know that you're doing the right thing. Because most of our worries is, are we doing the right thing? So it's nice when the word is, God wants you to know you're doing the right thing. <laughs> oh, good. That's a relief. It says, and you've been praying for a place to meet. And God says, I'm going to surprise you by opening up a place of worship for you. Now, it's such a strange phrase, a place of worship. Now, I was thinking about the leisure center and looking at the state of the people who went in and the state of the people who came out and thought, well, it's definitely not a place of worship. So I was kind of, what, what, what's God got? And then on the Thursday, I was meeting up with a Baptist minister who lived near, near us and his church building was quite near us. And I was meeting up for a coffee. And to be honest, I was a little bit nervous because I kind of thought he might think you're on my catchment area and what are you doing? And, you know, here comes Johnny come lately, thinks he knows it all. So I was a little nervous. We went met in Tesco's neutral place, and we had a nice coffee sitting there. In, it came as a surprise. Tesco's has now got Costa coffee. It's quite nice. So I was sitting there with my Costa coffee, trying to be proper, trying to talk to this guy. Suddenly, we just realized we got on really well. And he started sharing his life story. I shared mine. We just got on so well. And after half an hour, he looks at me and says, where are you going to be meeting? I said, I don't know yet. We're, we don't know where we should meet. He said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you meet in my building? You can have it free of charge every Sunday afternoon. In fact, he said, you can use it whenever you want. He says, you can use it for any youth group, anything. Just just here. And so bless him, he's just opened up his building. So we meet 3.30 every Sunday. Let's go. Oh, I've got louder. It's really great. We meet up, coffee and donuts, gather in. 
in his building. The first two Sundays, I said to the church, listen, this is just going to be practice, right? These aren't public meetings. Let's just get a feel how we want to do the meetings. I turn up, getting everything set up, and suddenly this couple walk in who had never been with us before. And I kind of say, took me a bit by surprise. I said, hello. And they said, oh, yeah, we turned up here this morning for the, the Baptist church. And Andrew, the pastor, said, well, you're never going to join us. But why don't you go to this church plant this afternoon? <laughs> this will suit you much better. And so it's just been incredible. This couple have joined us. Andrew, the pastor of this church, has been at every one of our meetings. And uh, he's... He, his ordination was the other Saturday, and he asked me to be the person who prayed over him. So that was really surreal, to having kind of, you know, left Rabina Baptist Church, to then be laying hands on a Baptist minister, <laughs> ordaining him. I didn't know I could do that. It was really fun. So it was just sort of, it was just interesting what God's doing. And we're now a group about 40, 45. Like, ironically, we're now one of the biggest churches in Ponte, which is slightly scary. But I just, my passion is, and please pray for this, is I want us to break out and impact the thousands and thousands of lives that don't know Jesus at all. And uh, in a sense, what I want to bring this morning is looking at the kingdom rule of God and how we carry the kingdom wherever we go. In fact, what I would like to do with the end result of today is to pray for the sick, pray for deliverance, pray for just you to be who God's called you to be, wherever God has put you to carry the kingdom of God there. Because we can so often be in danger, can't we? Where we can worship and enjoy God on a Sunday morning like this. You know, Tom at the right time starts the right song. We thought, oh yeah, I'm enjoying this. And we're back and pushing in. Then prophetic words encourage us about coming into the king's throne. Encouraging words about, you know, if you've come carrying darkness today, you can be set free. Words have come and be prayed for. You think, oh yeah, I love this. And then we can walk out of here and this have no relevance to our everyday life. That's the church bit, that's the kingdom bit. But now, today, it's Monday morning. The clocks aren't changing, unfortunately, today. I've got to get up at this time. I get out, and this is my day. And actually, I think this is a challenge. How do you carry the kingdom of God in everything that we do? In fact, what I was going to preach on, on Friday, I told Dan put the phone down and thought, that just didn't live with me. I had notes and everything. just didn't live with me. And then, unfortunately, I felt God stir something up in me, which was a passage (laughs) I've spoken on uh, with the leaders a few years ago. I remember having a a day where Wales were winning the Grand Slam. I had a day faithfully serving you um, and uh, looked at the Lord's Prayer. And I was on Tuesday night in our house. We had a friend of mine called Bruce Collins came. And he was taking an evening and he made one comment. And he said, the Lord's Prayer is a kingdom prayer. It's a gospel prayer. And that just got hold of me. And I found myself looking at the Lord's Prayer again. And what I love about the Word of God is something that you know so well You can look at again and God uses it in a whole new way. And you think, wow, maybe I have seen this before, but not like this. This has done something to me. And so today I want to look at Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer, which is ironic calling it the Lord's Prayer because actually it's our prayer. It's a prophetic prayer. It's a prayer that opens up so much. And so I'm just going to read this to you. Verse 7. 
And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others, and lead us into, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I just want to look at these verses. And the scary thing is when God suddenly gives you something like this, you end up not particularly having that many notes. So let's see where we go. I've got some bullet points, but they're not very good, actually. So we're going to see where God wants us to go. Now, a few years ago, I was in Germany, and I was about to do a seminar on walking in the prophetic. And I'd gathered together a number of the churches I worked with in Germany, some of the leaders and their leadership teams. They're all gathered together, about a group of 60. And I was about to go, and I had some really good notes, and everything was in place. And I sat there just beforehand and just went to get my notes. And as I pressed the button, my notes disappeared. Not only did the notes disappear for the seminar that I was about to do on the prophetic, I then realized all my sermon notes had disappeared. In fact, all the sermon notes I'd ever had since I had gone to Apple, the dark side, since then, all of them had gone. Gone. Instant. And there was this horrible moment of, what's just happened? What, what happened there? So I sat down thinking, how did this happen? And there's this moment of panic thing. I've got to do seminar. I've got no note for, and I thought, well, it's on the prophetic. I'm, I'm bluffed this one. Because I, I, I do this one. This one's okay. But I started thinking, what, what happened? And then I had this moment of realization. I'd got Liz an iPad for Christmas. And I'd put on it pages, this sort of word processing package. And all my sermons had also gone onto her iPad. So I rang her and said, Liz, did you do anything, anything with your iPad this morning? She says, oh yeah, I deleted all your sermons off my iPad. I said, but Liz, what you've done there has deleted them all off my iPad as well. And then there was this horrible moment where we realized, not only she deleted them off the iPad, they'd gone off the cloud. They were no more. They were history. They had disappeared. They had gone. And I kind of sat there in this moment of, I don't quite know what to do, but oh joy, and other words of such expression. And it's kind of like this moment of, what on earth happened? And just to always make Liz feel better, I use this as an illustration of sometimes something that happens over here can have massive effect over, effect over here. And what I want to look at this morning is a sense of the kingdom of God, heaven, what God carries, what happens there can happen here. Do you understand that actually what happened for me was not a good thing? Well, it probably was in the long run. It meant I couldn't be dependent on notes. But there was a moment where suddenly, because of a decision that happened here, it changed something in Germany. What happened in Cardiff affected Germany. 
What's more exciting is when we look at the Lord's Prayer is decisions that we have here means that what happens up there can impact here. So in the same way as, oh, I'll delete this, meant suddenly it was deleted in Germany. In the same way, your sin in your life and the issues that you carry, when you say here, Lord, forgive me, in the kingdom of God, it says, gone, done, done. In the same way, if we think kingdom and carry it, we can then say, but Lord, we're connected to your kingdom. We want your kingdom to come now. In the same way, the kingdom of God says, yes. The impact that you have here in Sheffield today impacts what happens in heaven. There's that connection. It's incredibly exciting. My friend on Tuesday, Bruce, asked everyone a question. And he said, what's the gospel? That's interesting. If you ask, what is the gospel? You turn to one another and you start talking about the cross. Talk about salvation, eternal life, peace, hope, right relationship with God. All these came. And then his answer was, the gospel is what Jesus preached in Matthew 1, verse, in Mark 1, verse 15. I understand you're doing Mark at the moment. And this is what Jesus preached as the gospel. The time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe. The kingdom of God is near. Now I'm not dis- belittling the cross and, and resurrection, I'm going to get into that because that's pretty important. But actually this thing of the kingdom, the gospel we bring is this, the kingdom of God is here. Because of what Christ has done, he has enabled it that we carry as ambassadors that link to bring the kingdom of God into all situations. Suddenly, that changes everything. I, um, I was talking to someone recently, a friend of mine, whose family just are obsessed with Christmas. Not a Christian, but so looking forward to Christmas. And in the conversation, I realized that most of their life is planning for Christmas. In fact, a lot of their family life is, what do you want for Christmas? What, how are we going to do Christmas this year? What's it? So I'm there thinking, I can't think Christmas yet. No, it's Jessica's 18th birthday in November. There's no way I can think Christmas yet. I've got to get that through. You know, kind of all these different things are coming. And actually, they were still thinking Christmas. And it suddenly hit me. How many Christians think in this way? We see the gospel as a ticket from now to eternal life. We see it as, I've given my life to Jesus, I've come, and I said, Lord, here I am, forgive me. And he said, yes, and then we carried it, I've got my ticket into heaven. And don't realise eternal life starts now. Eternal life starts this moment that actually we are living the presence of God, the kingdom of God now. God, Jesus didn't die and, we get, and be resurrected so that we just could hang on to get to heaven. He died and was resurrected so that we could live fully now, the kingdom of God. So let's look at this prayer. Our Father. It's interesting that it would appear that when Jesus makes that statement, that's when his enemies plotted to kill him. Because it was so shocking. Because for the Jews... They had a concept of the awesome I am, the great Yahweh, the great, great God who, you, who was up there, but you didn't intend to have a relationship with. Yet Jesus, in this opening statement, 
declares something so wonderful and shocking and outrageous. Our Father. You know, in Isaiah 52, verse 7, the great prophecy, at the end of it, it says, Your God reigns. Your God reigns. And for the Jews, there was always this thing of the God who reigns over all, but was, in a sense, untouchable. There's no way we could connect with. There's no way we could have any relationship with. Yet Jesus, in this opening, in this prayer, the very first statement, is utterly outrageous. He's basically saying, you can have the same relationship with God as I have. You can be a son and daughter of God. You can declare him father. Here is the great, I am the creator saying, do you know what? You can have the same relationship with me as I have. That is unbelievable. It is incredibly amazing. And here is key to any gospel. It is key to the kingdom of God. That first and foremost, we are children of the living God. The invitation to say, you are our father, is just stunning. You know, it's just, it's such a prophetic statement as well. If we look through this prayer, you see, actually it's a prophetic prayer that Jesus is inviting us to pray. For the disciples, they wouldn't have understood half of this. But basically, for us to be able to fulfill what he's asking us to pray, we need to know what Jesus is about to do. So why did Jesus die and go to the cross and then conquer death? It's so that we can call God Father. We have no right to call him Father, but because of what Jesus has done. He made it possible. If you think about the relationship man had with God... From the Garden of Eden, that moment where the rule and reign of God was there in place, man and woman living under the reign of God, the kingdom of God here on earth, being worked out, and then we turned our back on that rule and reign. We turned our back on the kingdom of God. And from that moment, there was this separation, this break of the relationship. Yet God's plan was always, I'm going to restore that relationship. Right there in the Garden of Eden, the prophetic statement to, to the serpent, to Satan, you know, from the seed of woman will come one who will crush you. You'll bruise his ankle, but he'll crush you. No wonder then throughout the whole of scripture, there's so much hatred of children. You've seen the amount of times the enemy is out to get, the amount of times children are killed. Man of times. Why? Because there's this utter fear from the seed of woman will come one who's going to destroy me. You can imagine as you look through history, the enemy destroying and destroying. And then that moment in Bethlehem, when suddenly that realization, the enemy looks on that it was God himself, the great I am, the creator of heaven and earth, was going to make himself created in order to restore that relationship. It's just mind-blowing. He came so we can call him Father. Let's never belittle the intimacy that God wants to have with you. You know that prophetic word that came before, the invitation into the king's throne room. Let's never take that for granted. There's an invitation The invitation, because of what Jesus has done, God's reign is supreme. It never stopped being supreme. And because of his reign, he so wanted to restore his 
ownership, his reign back into our creation, back into his creation. They sent his son. It's never, ever. Let's think, am I loved by God? Yes. I don't know if I feel loved. Well, he's given up his son for you. So you can call him father. You know, I remember a time where, you know, I was in a prayer meeting and people were told, you know, pray out in your own language. And I remember someone suddenly shouting out, Papa God. And somehow there was that moment of intimacy of Papa God that felt like in, in English, we didn't have the right word. Daddy seems too baby-like. Dad. Somehow Papa God. <laughs> oh, I like that. You know, it's intimacy. Oh, God. Jesus is outrageous in this statement by saying, when you pray, pray our Father. Pray our Father. There's an intimacy there. And then goes on and says, our Father, who art in heaven. Who's in heaven? Hallowed be your name. Who's in heaven? Hallowed be your name. Love this. What's happening in this prayer that Jesus is inviting us to pray is this. We pray to our Father who's in heaven. They think, yeah, that's pretty logical. Thanks, Andrew. Didn't take much to work that one out. Our Father who is in heaven where his rule and dominion is in its full. Where his kingdom is in its full expression. Where the fullness of God dwells. Our cry is up to him and crying out, your kingdom, where your full rule and authority, where, where your, sorry, getting excited here, where your government, your dynamic rule, your reign, your, all that's up there that is functioning fully, that's the father we come to right now. We're not coming to a father who hasn't got the resources. We're not coming to the father who's unable to help. We're coming to the father whose full reign and authority is there in heaven. And the cry, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, you look at the verses where it talks about heaven. What is happening around the throne right now? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty being cried out. And it's not that they got stuck in a song. You know, there are times, aren't there? Let's face it, sometimes in worship, we can get stuck in a song. You know, there are times just they're thinking, I can't, there is another verse. There is another verse. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and around again, because someone really likes it. You know, there are moments. You know, it's not often, but there are moments. It's not like in heaven that the beasts around the throne and they're going, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. Oh, holy, holy, holy. Does anyone come up with another verse? No, it's every time they look upon the Father. Every moment there's new revelation of the holiness of God. Constant revelation. Constant revelation of his holiness. And that's, you know, I got very excited once thinking, why do we have eternity with God? And I suddenly realized we have eternity with God because it's going to take eternity for us to fully see the full revelation of God. In other words, we will never get there. The constant flow from the throne of God. Holy. His name is treated with honor and holiness. And the cry of this prayer is, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But it then goes on and says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can we grasp this? Can we grasp what this prayer is asking? We're going to our Father because of what Jesus has done. We're going to him where in heaven all his kingdom is displayed in its fullness. There's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no demonic, there's nothing there. There's fullness of the presence of God and there's joy. There's no sin. It's beautiful and awesome and wonderful. We are going and saying, Lord, Father, you're in that wonderful place of your presence. We ask, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here. Suddenly we are connecting with God's kingdom in heaven and saying, let what's happening there happen here. And what is God's heart? Please ask me for this. When Jesus is told, how should we praise this? This is very simple. Pray what God wants to happen. What God wants and God's entire purpose in me coming and being here as a son of God, here fully God, fully man, my purpose was that the kingdom of God would come. So that right now here in Sheffield, we have access into heaven and we can bring the kingdom of God here now. We can do the will of God here right now. Look at the life and ministry of Jesus. That's what he did. That's what he did. That's what his entire ministry was about. Father, what are you doing? What are you doing? Right, I want to do that. What's your plan here? Oh, Father, you want me to cross the the lake and I'm going to meet a demoniac? A man full of demons? Legion? Right, well, let's go. If that's what you're doing, we'll do it. And in the boat he goes and they set sail. The whole of Jesus' ministry. In fact, you're going through Mark's gospel. And I love Mark's gospel because Mark is really wanting you to know that the kingdom of God came with Jesus. He wants you to know the kingdom of God has authority over everything. He wants you to know that every storm can be addressed by Jesus. Everything can be addressed. And in this prayer... This prophetic prayer, you see Jesus saying, listen, all that's in heaven, all that great kingdom that's up there, the good news is this, it's available to you right now. So what should you pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your fullness your, your kingdom come and rule in my life. Your reign in my family's life. Your reign in my community's life. Your remain, your, your power and awesomeness come in this nation again. Suddenly our cry is that your kingdom come. And so what's our desire today? Our desire today is that we can bring the kingdom of God here right now. Because it is here. Because of what Jesus has done. You know, it's interesting, that statement in Isaiah, where it says, you reign, our God reigns. Jesus proved our God reigns, totally at the resurrection. Our God reigns, and he so proved it. I love the fact that our God reigns means that our God is everybody's God. Our God is everybody's God. Muslims might say, no, 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 we have a different God. No, you don't. You pray to Allah, which is fine. 
was not. But our God reigns. Yahweh reigns. So actually, there is no other God but him. So you need to find him. To the atheist who says, there is no God. He said, that's fine. Unfortunately, you've got a God. He's our God. He's your God. You need to find how you're going to relate to him. Because of our God reigning over everyone, that's why our desire and our passion must be, God, let your kingdom come. Because unless your kingdom come, these people will not know you're their God. We need to bring your God. We need to bring that revelation that our God reigns into every person's life. Because he's their God. There is no other God. There's no other route. There's no other access. There is only one God. Because he's our God and he reigns. And it was so clearly proven in Jesus when he came back to death, from death to life. At the resurrection of Jesus, it is this incredible statement that God says, I so reign, death has lost its sting. There's nothing that I cannot do because I reign. And then when Jesus says, all authority is mine. I love that. It's can't exaggerate it. All authority. All authority in heaven and earth and under the earth is mine. Therefore, go, bring the kingdom of God into every situation that we go to. In um, Ponte, just around the corner from us, there's a great shop. I love this shop. When we first moved, I went into this shop a lot because they, it's like amazing big market store. It's the only way I can describe it. The guy who started the business started with a market stall and it grew and grew until he has this big warehouse. They do furniture, garden furniture. They do seasonal stuff. So at the moment, it's full of blow-up Father Christmases. And it's just this great shop. I loved it. I went in, got garden furniture there, got other bits and pieces. And then I went in one day, walked in, and there was just a horrible atmosphere in there. So I turned to one of the staff and said, what's happened? They said, well, we've just all been told we've lost our jobs. So basically, the business is doing well, but the guy who runs it wants to retire. And he sold the premises, but not the business. So we're all shutting down. So in December, we will lose our jobs. 21 people. So I sat and asked them some questions. I said, have you ever worked anywhere else? What sort of things have you done? And as they're talking, they said, no, this is the only place I've ever worked. Someone I came straight from school to here. And you start realizing these people, are, they're losing something. And I suddenly was aware that most of the staff were now around me. And one of them said, why are you so interested? <laughs> I said, well, I care. I can't I hate the idea of 21 local people losing their jobs. And so I said, well, everyone else just says that's sad and walks away. But it lived with me. So much so I actually went to see the guy who's selling the business and offered to take it over. Um, that was an interesting conversation. I kind of sat there and said, listen, you're going to be paying redundancy to them all. Why don't you pay me half of what you're going to pay them all and I'll find a new location and move the business so they can all have a job. He wasn't up for that. I don't know why. But it's going to, something got me. Actually, this isn't right somehow. And if I'm saying that the kingdom of God come and we're saying we're planting a church here, 21 local people losing their job impacts me. So I've gone in. I've gone... Even the other day, me, I, Evan wanted something for his catering course. We went in there. And I ended up talking to one of the staff, taking a name and address, and said, look, I'll try and find you a job. I rang up a friend who's running a business, rang back and said, look, here's a possible option. So she's going for an interview there. 
It's just been great, sort of connecting. Liz is a bit concerned why I've got loads of phone numbers of ladies that she keeps finding my dreams and things. I just, it's got me. If we talk about the kingdom of God and we carry the kingdom of God, it ends up having to be very real into situations. My cry is, Lord, the provider of everything, in this situation, let your kingdom come. This, this isn't right. 21 people just before Christmas and they're having to sell Christmas decorations. How much worse can it get? Lord, give them jobs. Help them. If I can't run the business, which I'd be useless at anyway, but if, could you please do something? The kingdom of God has to be real. Has to be real. Each of us, the kingdom of God isn't just for church. It's for where God's put you. You know, I, someone asked me recently, what do you do for a job? And when you find yourself saying, I'm full-time in a church, so everyone, well, that's, everyone's a full-time in a church. We're all full-time. We're all full-time. We're all called of God to serve him. We're all ambassadors of Christ. Wherever we go, we take the kingdom of God. Where you work is where God has put you. And do you know what? You're good at it. You're doing the right thing. And on top of that, you take the kingdom of God. Let's be a people who go into work thinking, Lord, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do rather than, oh, get on with this? What, what, what opportunities are there for the kingdom of God to come? What opportunities are there for the kingdom of God to break in? If our prayer life is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, that cry is a kingdom cry, which is saying, Lord, that's not just for us as a church. That's for my family. That's for me. That's for the people I'm meeting today. That means I'm involved in this. Hold on. That suddenly means... I'm caught up in this. This isn't some religious prayer that I pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, yes. This is something that's real. If I'm praying, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. God could say, yeah, and my will today is that you pray for your next door neighbor. My will today is you're going to meet someone who's just really hurt their leg and they're in a lot of pain and I'd like to heal them, but I need someone there to pray for them. And I've chosen you to do it. Well, I wasn't expecting that as an answer to the prayer. Or... My kingdom come, my will be done. Yeah, that means, Andrew, you're going to get taken interest in 21 people who are losing their jobs because my kingdom come. And someone said to me, you said, what's the biggest thing you've seen as you've been planting a church? I said, helping 21 people losing their jobs. That's us. That's our big mission at the moment. The church, we're praying about them. We kind of feel, hey, we want to do something. I'd still like to run the business, but we still want to do something. You know, it's just, God, what do you want to do? And for everyone in here who loves Jesus, when we pray as Jesus wants us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are saying we are connected with the Father in heaven, all the resources of heaven. And we're saying, Lord, here we are. Use us so we can do something that's up there that connects and does impact right here, right now. If that's not what the church is for, what's it for? If the church isn't here to show the kingdom of God to the people around and to say, you know, God loves you, this is how we can see it. You know, I ask a few, it's great when you move to a new area because you can ask people questions. And I ask people, what do you think the church is for? Most people said to disagree with things. How outrageous, isn't it? Oh, the church, they like to tell us what we're doing wrong. The church, the good news of God, they like to tell us what we're doing wrong. They judge us. The church is about taking the kingdom of God 
and seeing it displayed, which was good news. You think of what Jesus was like. Who were around Jesus? Everybody. Everybody. The worst of the worst, the best of the best, wanted to be around Jesus. Because why? Because you didn't know what was going to happen next. They could see going to funerals and coming back with a person whose funeral it was. You could go to a party and come back with the best wine you've ever tasted. It was extraordinary. You could go off into the desert without any food, which sounds pretty stupid to me, and he'll feed you. He was awesome. He was good news. And what is the good news? The kingdom of God. We can't say we are kingdom people and not be good news. Seriously. We can't, can we? Because they, oh, I'm of the kingdom, and I'm just going to tell everyone how awful they are. No! You're the kingdom, that means God's opening everything up for you. It's really funny, I am. Um, <coughs> when we first moved into our house, um, I've always prayed for a Matthew's party situation. You know, where Jesus calls Matthew, and then he's invited back to Matthew's house. And you've got this extraordinary situation where all the untouchables of the area are there in Matthew's house. And it just says, Jesus lounged on the sofa. He kind of lounged, relaxed in this environment because these were the people he was here for. And the religious got very upset that he was in there. But he was there changing the environment. I've always prayed, Lord, give me a Matthew's party. And then when we had one of our Tuesdays, big gathering, people in our house, there was a moment where there was a knock at the door and we had our first complaint. (laughs) The guy up the road, where all these cars come from? What's going on? I'm so sorry. Well, you know, they're everywhere. I know there's no double yellow lines and they're allowed to park there, but why are they there? It's wrong, you know. We've never had this before. So I went up later with a bottle of wine. As I'm kind of going up, I suddenly realised there's another house I never knew about on the gate of his house. And as I'm walking through, there's this big guy who I lately then discovered was called Chunky. Kind of looked like sort of a roadie standing there. And I'm walking past with a bottle of wine. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm sorry, I've just, uh, someone complained about the cars, I'm just coming up to say sorry. And then, in language that was interesting, he basically said, don't worry about him, he's a miserable so-and-so, don't give him a bottle of wine or else he'll want it every single week. I'm chunky, by the way, but using other language all the way through in the process, and was shaking my hands and saying, where are you from? I said, I live just moved in there. He said, oh, welcome to the area. I'll have to come down and have a drink with you at some point. And then kind of, I went up to this guy's house and did give him the bottle of wine. As I'm walking back down, he said, was he, was he beeping grateful? And I said, oh, he, he said hello. <laughs> he said, he's a beeping, beeping, beeping. And I kind of said, well, that's fine. And went down. That Saturday, I'm sitting in my garden. He suddenly comes around the corner. He goes, hi, I, I beeping took you up on your beeping idea and came out. <laughs> and then he looked around and said, oh, Apologise for my beeping language with your beeping kids around. And I'm thinking, oh, because all my kids laughing and he's sitting there. And we have a nice time. And he said, oh, would you and your wife like to come to my son's 21st birthday party? (laughs) That Saturday, that Sunday, we went up while Wimbledon was on and sat in his son's 21st birthday party. And I thought, I've been praying for Matthew's party and I'm in it. (laughs) And it was just extraordinary. Suddenly there it was. And I sat there and thought, why are we here? We're bringing the kingdom of God. Every place that you go, if we are praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Wherever you go, you're carrying the kingdom of God. 
So this morning, we can have an expectation that the kingdom of God is here. We can have an expectation when we pray for the sick that God will move and God will heal. We can have a prayer that actually if you respond to that word of feeling like there's a cloud over you wherever you go and the battle of that, we can pray that that goes because the kingdom of God is here. That can be the expectation. In the name of Jesus, great things will happen. We do live with that great thing, isn't it? The kingdom is here, yet not here fully. It won't be fully restored till Jesus returns himself. So there are still moments where you pray for people and things don't happen. There are other times you pray for people and things do happen. And I don't understand it, which is good because I'm not God. But God is awesome and does incredible things. But the prayer then goes on. Give us our daily bread. If we're thinking this is a kingdom prayer, this part of the prayer is this. Lord, give us the resources we need so we can partner with you to see your kingdom come. Lord, give us the resources. Give us what we need today so we can partner with you for the kingdom of God to come. You know, it's interesting. I've found since moving to Ponte and doing what's in my heart to do and my passion and it's been great moving to the house and into the area. I found my daily bread has been... A real battle. What do I mean by that? It's funny how the next part of it, you know, forgiveness and all that, we'll go into a minute. But it also talks about temptation. Actually, sometimes temptation hits at the daily bread bit. That actually one of my biggest fears has been finance. And something I think, well, you know, I should be easy on this and relax. Suddenly, I'm waking in the middle of the night and thinking, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? I think, well, hold on a second. If I'm praying that your kingdom come, Lord, give us the daily bread. Then actually, I've just got to trust that God will do that bit of it as part of his kingdom coming. But it's amazing how that bit can be one of the bits that gets us sometimes. It's been a real battle. Seriously, for me, it's been a real battle of, of fear and anxiety that I never knew I had. I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm quite happy, but I'm, this is worrying me. And it's almost coming back to this prayer and realizing, actually, my prayer is not about tomorrow. It's about today. Lord, give me today the resources so I can partner with you for the kingdom of God to come. It goes on. Forgive our sins. I do always love this. I think I probably mentioned this when I was here with the leaders. I love the fact that this prayer starts with us worshipping God, starts with us connecting with him in heaven, starts with us connecting into his mission and his purposes, starts with asking for all the resources we need so we can do this partnership And then it comes to the bit and says, and forgive me my sins. You know, how much of our prayer life starts with, Lord, please forgive me? How much of it actually starts there? We are actually shaped more by the confessional than we think we are. You know, we're shaped more by that Catholic confessional that comes and says, oh, I've sinned, I've sinned. Yes, well, we have all sinned. And when Jesus tells us to pray, he says this, start with me, start with my father, start with the kingdom, start with getting caught up with what I want to do and my purposes and my plans and then ask for the resources so you can do it and then, then ask for forgiveness that when your life hasn't lived up to the call of the kingdom of God. Then, when you come and you look up and think, wow, our God's able to do great things. And because he's so awesome and so wonderful, I want to live a life worthy of this. So Lord, forgive me when I fall short of your glory. He brings it into that context. How much of our lives start with, Lord, please forgive me. Oh, rotten me. I feel like God's saying, listen, 
like my sermons on the iPad. I've deleted it. Could you please stop reminding me? You know, at least get, give, get excited by me before we get here. You know, at least let's get over a bit before you start saying how rubbish you are. Because I thought you were good enough for my son to come. And because of my son coming for you, you're pretty impressive right now. You're clothed in righteousness. Enjoy it. You know, it's funny, on the way here, I'd forgotten to change the clock in the car. And as we're driving along, even though I knew it was an hour fast, I kept catching it and putting my foot down on the accelerator. There was that moment of panic. Ah! (laughs) It's ten o'clock! We've got to get there! No, it's nine o'clock. I'll remind yourself. Our lives can be so dominated by this. We keep going back to what we were before Christ, reminding ourselves what we were before Christ, reminding of the way we used to be. We have to remind ourselves, no, we're now here. We're now in Christ. We're no longer sinners, dead and buried. We're now saints reigning with him. We're now in a position we can say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're there. That's who you are. You don't have to keep thinking, I'm a lonely sinner. No, you're not. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, you're a saint. You're, you're in a position that actually you can be set free from sin. You're in a position that the kingdom of God is going to come through you. You're an ambassador of Christ. And when you don't live up to that, ask for forgiveness. And he'll say, yes, it's great. It's a great deal. It's an amazing deal. So start reminding ourselves of what we were before. Stop thinking of the world and think of the kingdom. And that actually will help you live a life worthy of the call. If I'm excited by something, I live up to that standard. You know, I keep trying to take up jogging. My daughter has now done it. I downloaded an app on my phone. I've got the app. And I've watched Jess run and come back and say, did you have a nice time? She says, yeah, it was really good. You have to come sometime. Oh, yeah, I will. I, you know, I've not done it yet. Because actually, it doesn't excite me in any shape or form. We did a church bike ride from our house down to Cardiff Bay and back again. It was 26 miles there and back. The night before, I was in such a state about it. Liz was laughing at me because I was in such a state. I'd been to Audi. I bought I bought cycle shorts and everything. I, I, I was a middle-aged man in Lycra. I'd got all the stuff. I was terrified, thinking, I am going to look stupid. All these guys are going to be really fit and healthy and I'm going to be there sweating, <laughs> you know, unable to talk to anybody. I didn't need to fear. Not because I was really fit. It was downhill the whole way. <laughs> it was great. And on the way back, well, I got back somehow. But it was great. I only had to pedal once. <laughs> just all the way down in my lycra. It just looked really good. But something, if something excites you, you go for it. If it doesn't, it's hardship. If you're excited by a relationship with God, it will totally change the way you live right now. If you're excited by the kingdom of God, if you think, do you know what? I've got a real purpose in life. My purpose in life is to know the kingdom of God, to live in the kingdom of God, and bring the kingdom of God to wherever I go. That changes the way you live. So you can ask for forgiveness. Because you've received forgiveness, you can then say, Lord, forgive those around me. Those who have hurt me, please forgive them. You know what? Most pastoral stuff I have to deal with, it's not that much. There are other nicer pastors around. (laughs) The stuff I deal with tends to be people saying, someone hurt me, so-and-so. This was said to me. This was said to me. This was said to me. And actually going back and saying, well, the Bible says, forgive them. 
Forgive them. As Christ has forgiven you, as you've been clothed in righteousness, forgive them. This is part of the kingdom of God. This is what we carry. And then goes on, and lead us not into temptation. If this is a kingdom prayer, this is give me protection and deliverance from those things that would draw me away from living and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Temptation. Temptation doesn't come when we're feeling good. Have you ever noticed, Peter wasn't tempted to deny Christ when he'd just come down the mountain of transfiguration. You know, it wasn't the point where he's come down thinking, I just saw Moses, I saw Jesus, oh, this is so amazing. And there wasn't that point where Satan comes to him and says, deny Jesus, you must be joking, I'm not going to deny him, I've just seen him up there. The moment he was tempted to deny, he'd just seen Jesus arrested. he just lost everything. That's when the temptation came. Think of even Moses. When Moses is tempted to hit the rock and do something that he's not supposed to, he's told to speak to the rock instead he hits it out of anger. His sister had just died. He was grieving when the temptation came. And he lost his inheritance at that point. You think through scripture, moments when people fall, it's often the season they're in is when the temptation comes. Temptation doesn't come when you're doing well in something. You know, I'd love to choose when temptation is going to come my way. You, know, you can tempt me here right now on this issue because I'm doing really well in it. Go on. Go on. We used to have a joke in, in Manchester. This probably shouldn't be recorded, but it's going to be. Whenever Dave Holden used to come up and visit us, he'd ask us, how's your prayer life going? Or ask us, how's your Bible study going? Or ask us, how's your marriage going? And we always just joke, which he'd always ask us in something that was going really well for him. <laughs> if his prayer life's going really well, he's going to ask us, how's our prayer life? But actually, the challenge the enemy puts to us is never when things are going well. And it's been interesting. I, I've suddenly found in this move the temptation sometimes for self-pity when you're feeling alone and How's this ever going to happen? That's been very real. You see, I think, why am I doing this right now? Actually, this is where I'm vulnerable. The enemy comes where the season you're in, the temptation will come. So it's very important we say, Lord, protect me from temptation. In Wales, we're at the moment, the number of leaders have fallen into sin. And actually, it's interesting, they've fallen into sin when the season has put them in a vulnerable place. Now, it's not an excuse. It's just saying, let's be wise. Let's be aware the enemy won't attack you when you're doing well in something. You know, he's not going to attack you when you're in a place where there's nothing to attack. So when you are vulnerable, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, or when you're doing well sometimes in something, that's when the attack will come. So let's cry out, Lord, because I want your kingdom to come, please protect me from temptation. I want your kingdom to come. I want to partner with you. I want to see your kingdom come in its fullness. Therefore, please protect me because it's important. You know, we miss out on this. Character is the vessel that carries the anointing of God. God gives anointing because God's God. Our character is what carries it. We want to partner with God to see the kingdom of God come. What we are and who we are becomes important. Our character in times of hardship becomes real. So I cry, please, Lord. Let us not lead into temptation. Protect me. But deliver us from evil. For protection from the evil one who in, who in constantly trying to draw us away from our heavenly father. To frustrate and discredit our witness to his kingdom. You know, 
The enemy doesn't want you to be fruitful. The father does. We've all gone through seasons where sometimes you can fall out of love with the church. There are seasons. And you know, if we're honest, there are moments. <laughs> Let's not let the enemy get in and rob us of the kingdom. Rob us of what God's plan is. Rob us for the love for one another. Rob us of what the kingdom of God is. And so when we look at the Lord's Prayer, it's actually all about God's rule and reign and seeing his kingdom come. The good news is this. The kingdom of God has come and changed everything. Nothing is the same anymore because he has come. And it will come in its fullness when he returns. In the meantime, I want to be in that place where I'm looking for the Father moving and seeing what the Spirit and the Father are doing and saying, I want to partner with them. So, Father, all the great resources and awesomeness of heaven, Lord, I want to connect with that and see that happening now and bring and be part of what your plan is here. You know, I sit there and think, how on earth are we going to plant a church in Pontypridd? And to make things even worse, the first time we met, there was a prophetic word, you're born pregnant. In other words, there's another church plant to be planted straight away. And you're there thinking, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, there's a group of 20 of us in this room. And they go, oh, yeah, we're going to plant another church. And, uh, and then to make things even worse, we've got two families from Newport. And I don't want to plant in Newport. But God clearly put something in us to plant in Newport. I put a joke a few years ago on Facebook of um, the Lion King. There's a bit where the father and the son are sitting there. And the father is a bit where the, all the area that is under light is the kingdom. And the bit under shadow is the area you must never go. And there, the two are sitting there. And the son says, what's all that over there? And he says, that, that is, in this comic, he said, that is South Wales. That is a place of great blessing and great encouragement. And the son says, well, what about that place over there in the Shadowlands? He says, that is Newport. You must never go to Newport. Nothing good happens in Newport. And I'm reminded in the middle of prayer time of God saying, that is not what I want of you. I want you to go to Newport. So there we are. This little church in our house saying we're praying and believing for a church plant in Newport. You see, why are we doing this? Why? Because we want the kingdom of God to come. The kingdom of God to come. Why are you looking to see this city totally transformed? Because you believe in the kingdom of God and it's been shown to you through Jesus and you want to see it in its fullness right now. And the extraordinary thing is, everyone in this room who knows Jesus is caught up in seeing that kingdom come about. Wherever you go, whatever you're in, you can be there saying, Lord, let your kingdom come now. Let your will be done now. On the streets of Sheffield, you can pray for the sick. On the streets of Sheffield, you can do whatever God's got for you. Wherever you go, you carry the kingdom. Can we stand?